Heads up, friends. The unofficial Shopify podcast is made by indie entrepreneurs for indie entrepreneurs and may contain material not suitable for all audiences, like swearing or economics. Listener discretion is advised. Customer order updates got you freaking? How about your customer? Let's check in with them. Where is my order? I expect a response in 20 minutes, or I'll leave a one-star review everywhere, including your mom's house. Yikes. What if customers could find their own orders with Ventoff Order Lookup, the Shopify app that makes order tracking a breeze? With Ventoff Order Lookup, customers quickly and easily search for their own orders in your store with their email address or their order number. No more wasting time and losing your sanity trying to track down orders for customers. Try Ventoff Order Lookup today and get your order tracking under control. Just search Order Lookup in the App Store to start your free trial. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. You know what? My order was at the front door the whole time. Five stars. My friends, welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, a.k.a. Jack Nasty. You're going to have to excuse my voice. A little hoarse, a little quiet today. That's all right. Just getting over, uh, you know, something gross. And our guest today, though, has got something very exciting, truly epic. We're going to talk accounting, bookkeeping, finances. Wow. Truly, truly epic stuff. I don't know. It, it it doesn't sound exciting, but it is. It's important. Like that is how you describe a business, right? And uh, certainly necessity to file your taxes regularly. All these things are important. And it's what gives you a clear, quantifiable picture into your business. So joining us today, we're joined by Wayne Richard, the U.S. Director of Bean Ninjas, a leader in e-commerce accounting. And Wayne has uh, quite a lot of ex experience here from working at tech giant Hewlett Packard to speaking at events for Shopify and Di Dynamite Circle. And he is here to share his knowledge and help you supercharge your Shopify store's finances. So buckle up, my friends. We're diving into the world of e-commerce accounting. I'm just going to abuse that cha-ching sound effect today. All right, let's start. Let's start easy. We got to establish who you are and why we should listen to you. I need to know that you're not just some guy making stuff up. Wayne, give me a little bit about your background and how you got involved with Bean Ninjas. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks, Kurt. I hope I live up to that introduction. I do know it's not the sexiest topic for us to uncover, but often it becomes the identity of the brand, right? Initially in conversations, you meet sellers and one of the first questions is like, so how well, how well are you guys doing? And the identity is wrapped up, I'm a seven-figure brand, I'm an eight-figure, nine-figure brand, and often the bits and pieces that help folks understand how they got there is really not discussed. And I hope today we can uncover some of those secrets, talk through some of the tips, but I'm Wayne Richard, as you mentioned, I'm partner in the U.S. Director at Bean Ninjas. We're a firm that specializes in e-commerce, accounting, bookkeeping, financial reporting services. My background was in financial planning and analysis with Hewlett Packard, where we were responsible for billion dollar budgets and really working amongst one of the world's greatest finance organizations. Uh, I had hoped to take a lot of those principles, apply them to small business. And what I discovered early in my journey was in order to apply some of the more complex 
financial strategies that we were using, we really needed to begin to educate and focus sellers around the importance of the basics. And that's really just managing your books so that you have timely and accurate data to begin to do some of the more complex financial strategies from. All right. So let's start with where people are going wrong. What are the common e-commerce accounting mistakes that you see merchants making over and over and how do they avoid them? Absolutely. So I think one of the first mistakes that's made is people assume getting a QuickBooks online subscription is a accounting system and it's a piece of the system, right? When I look at systems, I consider multiple factors. Who's responsible for managing the workflows within the system? What are the tools we utilize to work the system? And then what is the timeframes around when we're responsible for actually dedicating and spending the time in those systems with those people. So I think also within that, not just setting up QuickBooks, but also defaulting to use the chart of accounts that's provided in the setup wizard as a means to getting established. E-commerce accounting is extremely difficult. There's so many different facets of uh, areas where cash is coming in and going out of the business that really having a defined chart of accounts that helps better speak to the insights and clarity around those areas of spend is something that I also see many sellers doing as an initial mistake. And then I'll just, I'll kind of joke, but it comes about often is either having the founder continue to do the bookkeeping when there's other tasks that they really have key strengths uh, to focus on that better support growing the business or defaulting to like the aunt that was a bookkeeper for this restaurant a few years ago and using someone that really wasn't specialized or educated in the industry to to really manage that complex uh, that complex accounting system. I outsourced our bookkeeping um, truth values bench and I like no complaints, but one of the wisest things I ever did because I hated it. I mean, one time I remember like we were just like sitting because I you had to put together that package for the account for the year. And like I had put it off for like seven months. We we're backed up. And that's when I knew I was like, all right, this isn't happening again. We need to get someone to actually take care of this for me. Because like not knowing, oh my gosh, the stress of that did not like it. Oh, absolutely. And I think what's important is to also remember the audience for who the reports are being provided for. Oftentimes, accounting is looked at as simply a compliance task. As you mentioned, I have a requirement every year, as do all businesses, to share financial statements to a CPA or an enrolled agent to produce year-end tax filings. But there's two other audiences that are involved in that and other reasons to put together financial reports as well. As we've seen throughout e-commerce and in the last few years, more particularly, lending and sourcing for other means of working capital outside just the profits or cash flow within your business is extremely important. And often these banking institutions and lenders look into your financial reports to help identify the viability of those, those lending requests. But then also where we focus is that you as a founder have a key tool within these financial reports that once you begin to understand the story 
in numbers that these reports are sharing with you can make timely and really insightful decisions that can drastically impact your business and help really work towards improving profitability. I believe you, but to illustrate it, can you walk me through a working example? Yeah, on how a founder may use their financials to help decide which areas to focus. So uh, we recommend that folks structure their financial reports in ways to identify those major areas of spend within their business. So one of the major areas, of course, is your cost of goods sold. Cost of goods sold can be not just your product cost, but also include things like your payment processing fees, your merchant uh, expenses, so the platform charges. What we've seen in helping sellers understand the profitability across each of their sales channels is there may be some sales channels that just aren't viable for your product and the price point to which you're able to competitively sell your product. So in understanding your gross profit margin by channel, you can begin to select which channels to double down in and continue to go hard and make those investments in. So without that that knowledge, without the reporting, without the, the proper um, accounting, profit loss statements, et cetera, I'm potentially engaging in business practices that when I'm successful at them, I lose more money. I call them scaling losses. Absolutely. Scaling losses. That's yeah. And if you don't know it, you don't know in many cases. Absolutely. And I think at times the focus has has historically been on that top line. So if you're seeing growth and traction in that top line, I'm getting more orders, I'm getting higher, you know, month over month sales, you're thinking you're successful. But once you begin to peel back and understand the cost required to support that scale, it may put you in a position where it's just not a viable sales channel for your brand. So walk me through some of those those key financial KPIs, those top financial metrics that as a store owner, I should be reviewing regularly. Yeah, I think about financial metrics really across two major categories. I think of growth metrics and I think of efficiency metrics. So when I'm thinking of things like growth metrics, I'm of course, I, I am interested in seeing month over month growth in sales. And by that, I mean net sales. One of the things we also recommend is get granular within your sales reporting. We talked about a few common mistakes, but another one that I tend to see is folks taking the deposits that are hitting their bank account and simply reconciling that as their sales number. But in fact, in Shopify, as an example, that's the net sum of the gross sales, your price times the number of units sold, less the Shopify platform charges, less the payment processing fees, less the number your shipping your shipping income, your returns. So it's important to understand those factors separately than your gross sales. So we're looking at those areas uh, as an example, maybe discounts. You know, you had a heavy month of discounts that were drawing down that net revenue number, and maybe that was effective for your business. Perhaps it was not. But some of the other growth metrics we look at are your gross profit margin. So your gross profit margin helps indicate how much money is left in the business after deducting those costs for your product packaging, platform charges, and delivery costs. 
We also want to understand as an e-com brand where most growth happens through customer acquisition and paid media is what is your contribution margin after marketing expenses? And this is critical because it helps inform you how much money is left to pay your team to take a viable living wage from your business, but also spend on those traditional things uh, that we call operating expenses, the software and subscriptions, the financing charges on any lending obligations, legal filing fees that you may have incurred. And then when I look at um, efficiency metrics, I'm, I'm looking at the contribution after, uh, after marketing, but I'm also looking at things that are particular to inventory. How many days or weeks of inventory are on hand? And then also, how much cash do I have available in the business? Uh, one common error that we often hear is folks think profit is cash flow. And it's not. You have other areas of spend that occur within a business that sit outside of your profit and loss statement. There are things that are you know, payments for liabilities, things that you've made decisions upon in the past to where the bill may be coming due now. Are you a CPA? I'm not a CPA. I, I think so what's important to share is now with the advent of technology and the ability for firms to focus on particular niche markets, I believe the accounting world is becoming very similar to customer acquisition and growth agencies where you have firms that are able to go very deep in particular areas where you have now specialists in email marketing, specialists in SMS or influencer, you know, Facebook agencies. It's very similar in the accounting world. CPAs are responsible for auditing and signing off on public financial statements, stock ticker companies. They're also able to sign off and do year-end tax filings, similar to an IRS enrolled agent. So it's a designation. I'm an accountant. I have a degree in accountant, and my career has been spent in accounting and finance. I've only focused in my time as an entrepreneur in supporting small private companies. Think of things like um, LLCs and S-Corps, small $1 to $10 million brands, where the CPA designation would require me to go take CPA credits, education, and because I'm not signing off on financial statements or doing tax returns, that requirement's not necessary. Want to turn up the heat on your Shopify store? Make your sales and promotions sizzle this summer with Zipify Pages, a one-of-a-kind landing page builder created by the owner of a $175 million Shopify store. It's got mouthwatering templates for every landing page or sales funnel your store needs. Launching a new product for Father's Day? <coughs> or take your 4th of July sale to the next level. How about a Jaws-themed pool party? With Zipify Pages, you can launch entire sales funnels in minutes, not days, without needing to hire a designer and developer. And because every template is tested first on a $175 million Shopify store, you know they actually work. That's why over 5,000 Shopify merchants use Zipify Pages to improve every page on their store. So if you want to cook up some sales this summer, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T to start your 14-day free trial today. 
And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at Zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Hey, Paul, how do you want your burger? I recently, I saw a tweet, uh, I think it was one of the guys from Obvi, said there's, it was paraphrasing, it was something like, there is a disturbing number of e-commerce founders who don't understand a profit loss statement. And so can you walk us through structuring a profit loss statement for a Shopify store? Absolutely. I, and this is where I'll geek out a little bit. So I'll allow you to hit any sound bites and, or, or shut me down uh, because this is where I live. So I live in the world of operational finance. And what that means is you as a brand operator have available this key tool, which is your profit and loss statement in conjunction with the balance sheet and cash flow statement that what I believe are the roadmaps in helping you understand in numbers the story of those decisions you've made in the past, but also the scorecard for you to understand, is it a story I like and one I want to continue to repeat telling going into the future? If not, you can change that story by making different decisions in your business that impact some of these areas. So I'll start in structuring your P&L. Really, it's to be built in a way that provides you granular insights into the key drivers of your sales and costs within your business. What you're really looking for is insights and clarity so that you can make more informed decisions on where you allocate the spend going forward. So we'll start with sales. I mentioned within sales in Shopify, you have various um, components that make up the net deposits and posts in your bank account. So what we recommend is in addition to gross sales is for you to separate out your discounts, your returns, and your shipping income. This helps you understand the net sales number, the true um, amount of money that you have available to make those decisions from. We now go into understanding the various expenses that go into your business. I alluded, of course, initially to cost of goods sold. We recommend also breaking out your cost of goods sold in a way that helps you understand your product cost separate from your marketplace seller fees, separate from your payment processor fees. And if you're a smaller brand, where there's very few product categories or SKUs, you can also break out those costs so you can understand your cost across each of those particular areas. Uh, those brands that have more SKUs or product categories, this becomes too cumbersome administratively to try to understand in a tool like QuickBooks Online or Zero. So it's better done in other tools that are built to really handle that understanding of like gross profit margin. Those two areas then help you define that gross profit margin, which is the KPI we spoke of earlier. Really, this is, again, the key metric that brands can use to indicate how much profit is left after delivering product to their customers. We then get into a major category that is called often operating expenses. We recommend within Shopify brands to break out your operating expenses across three major areas. The first is marketing, so customer acquisition, then wages and team cost, and then lastly, it's kind of other. It's those necessary expenses that you you know you or any business would have to incur. Your you know filing fees, things like 
postage, you know, not for shipping out to your customers, but just normal office expenses. So within that customer acquisition cost, we're really looking to understand by that marketing channel, uh, the, to try to gain the visibility and understand just generally, is it tracking to what my triple whale or white cross, uh, the cross beam is telling me these numbers are headed directionally? Because we have an ability within the accounting to understand across all of your credit cards, all your big, how much really was spent on each platform within a given month and how much sales was generated within a given month. So as long as you can get and build that confidence that directionally, this is moving in the same way that my agencies, my various tools of reporting you're telling me, you gain that peace of mind and confidence that it's really a viable strategy to continue moving forward with. This helps us understand then the contribution after marketing expenses, which I discussed. Um, here, we're just simply subtracting our customer acquisition from that gross profit margin to inform us how much fuel is available now to continue to pay my team, to have a viable living wage paid to myself and also help spend on those things like the software and subscriptions and other areas necessary within my business. These then give you the bottom line number. And I, I know I'm going long, but here it's net profit. So really the ultimate goal of any business, regardless of your Shopify brand, restaurant, uh, boutique fitness gym is to optimize net profit. So we recommend tracking this metric closely. And we can do that by breaking it down by either sales channel or product category and looking at ways then that we can move the needle to help improve profitability. And when you say like we get, this is the metric we got to track. This is what we're looking at. Like how can we improve profitability? Essentially you've got this, you end up with this one source of truth, this trustable KPI that really indicates our health as a business or operational efficiency. How often am I looking at this without yeah. making myself crazy? Absolutely. So monthly is the goal. Quarterly really is where we see the earlier stage brands focusing. But once you get into a place where you have that system of the right resources to manage this for your brand, the right systems to use to collect this information and have it readily available, monthly gives you the opportunity to then influence those numbers at a time frame that won't fall too far behind. If I was only looking at these numbers quarterly and for three months prior had been losing money, I could have made decisions to course correct to negotiate more favorable uh, deal terms much sooner and have avoided some of those losses. Okay. There is a terrifying term. You could terrify merchants with this. You go, hey, sales nexus. Terrifying. It's a squishy concept that has very, may have varied definitions depending on which state you're in. And in e-commerce, in retail, it becomes quite the potential surprise liability. Can you talk to me about what the heck is sales tax nexus and why is this so difficult? Yeah, I think it's difficult because each state defines the thresholds differently. 
So we were often asked by sellers, am I responsible for sales tax? And the answer usually is, it depends. One of the other things that make it extremely frightening is often the cost of being compliant to support accurate sales tax collection registration filings is more than what the actual sales tax is. So here, sales tax nexus or nexus is a few different things. There's different concepts to be considered. First, there's economic nexus. So economic nexus is a dollar threshold that is exceeded from sales to a particular state that identifies you as responsible for registering, collecting, and filing sales tax in that state. There's also another concept that makes this more confusing, and that's physical nexus, physical presence, which helps identify you as having nexus. And this could be for sellers on Shopify, but may also be using Amazon and having stock within Amazon. The presence of inventory in the Amazon warehouses makes them then responsible within those states that the warehouses sit to register, file, and remit sales tax within those states. Where do people go wrong with this? They go wrong by ignoring. Some folks prefer to just wait and get the tap on the shoulder and then uh, rush to identify what their responsibilities are. I recommend at a minimum, there's some amazing resources available. We have friends at Tax Valet that have a tool that allows for you to understand within each state what the nexus thresholds look like. So by using that, you can begin to understand at least like, what am I, what, what risk am I entertaining? If I'm aware that I'm a smaller brand and that I may only have you know, a few hundred dollars in outstanding sales tax in one particular state, I may be more okay with saying, I'll give it a little more time before I start making the larger investments in being compliant and sourcing the tools to help me um, get clearly identified across all those sales, what my responsibilities are, spending the time to get registered in these states and receiving the necessary sales tax permits and turning those features on across my various sales channels. Because at the end of the day, sales tax should not be a, an expense line within your business. You're simply a steward of the state. You're collecting sales tax from customers at a predefined rate set by the city, county, state that's the products being sold in and remitting that back to the state over time where it does become uh, not, not as much a liability, but an expense line within your business it is in the cost of compliance. So within uh, the accounting world, there's now firms that niche focus exclusively in supporting brands in this area of sales tax. They help with the process of getting registered in the state, defining those states that you're approaching nexus within so that you can begin to get organized and have all of the paperwork in order so you can turn on the right buttons to collect and remit uh, going forward. What One of the last areas that make it quite confusing is the rates within each city, county, state are different, but also the time frames to which you're responsible 
to file are different depending how how much you may owe. Some may have just yearly requirements, others quarterly, some there's requirements for monthly filing. So sourcing an expert, if you're a very established brand with a very considerable sales volume across many states, is certainly a, a kind of a value-added resource. And one of the things I've wondered about is if I've, what is the impact on Nexus with regards to sales channels? So like I've got, you know, I sell in my Shopify store, but I don't sell enough to hit the threshold. But then I also sell through Facebook shop, which they'll collect the sales tax and remit it for me. Or I sell through Amazon Marketplace, same deal. Does if those hit the threshold, but they're doing the filing, like how does that affect me? This yeah, one I really don't know. And I've run yeah. into, people have asked me this recently, and I'm like, I I couldn't say. Yeah, I think people in the accounting world have been talking about this to a degree um, because it is complex, right? You have multiple sales channels and different volumes, but your business has one federal EIN number. One, It's one identity. There's one organization that's delivering all of these sales. So really, again, uh, the presence of inventory, the economic nexus threshold across all of those sales channels needs to be considered. But you do need to remember that Amazon also has the marketplace facilitator um, where there, at the end of the day, it's it, it's your sales, but really they were Amazon's customers. Amazon collected um, the sales tax. So it really is dependent um, on the brand. I, I often say at times I feel like I sound much like a doctor where a lot of answers are it depends. I will say the critical task for sellers is to understand where their sales are coming from. And at the end of the day, who's responsible for registering, collecting, and filing those returns because it is dependent and, and different within each sales channel. I'm so tired of losing revenue. Ah! Are you tired of losing revenue to abandoned carts and lapsed audiences? Ooh. Of course you are. Did you know that anonymous shoppers who visit your store on their phones can't receive abandoned cart emails from Shopify? <gasps> Pop quiz. What do Warby Parker, Dr. Squatch, and BlendJet have in common? They all turn to retention.com to maximize their growth and reclaim lost revenue. It's money falling from the sky. With retention.com's reclaim solution, you can leverage industry-leading identity resolution technology to increase your SMS and email flow revenue by up to 10 times. We am um, 10xing our list, okay? Like 10x, like I'm not even joking. Onboarding is quick and easy and implementation takes just hours, not months. Plus, retention.com's flexible pricing is based purely on incremental performance. So you only pay for what you get. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to grow your Shopify store and reclaim lost revenue. Visit retention.com to learn more and schedule your demo today. All right, sales tax accounting for it, filing it, not the most exciting thing. What is exciting is saving money. Are there money-saving strategies that e-commerce owners should be using that they may not know about? Absolutely. I think there's really two categories where we want to consider saving money. 
One is within the various tax options and strategies that are available to not just e-commerce brands, but many businesses. Uh, I would say one of the first is really to dig in and understand um, what entity type your business is operating in. This means, is your business a corporation? Is it an S-corp, a partnership, a sole proprietorship? Because this will help define some of the available options that you have available to uh, strategies for paying yourself and ways in which you can set up different things like 401ks within your business. So second to that, you want to consider your tax basis. So there's concepts in accounting that are either cash basis accounting or accrual basis accounting, and both have their pros and cons depending upon the tax code. So you, in the difference really is the timing in which you recognize your sales and expenses. Um, with that said, that's kind of set up. Then if we start to consider some various tax savings opportunities, there's a concept called the Augusta rule. And the Augusta rule came about based on the site of the famous Masters golf tournament. So the Augusta rule allows for tax-free rental income if your property is rented for 14 days or less within the given year. So brands could use this rule to their advantage by renting out their home to their business for things like employee meetings, uh, for things like quarterly financial reviews with their accountant. Another is to look into if you have a manufacturing component, uh, tax deductible strategies for recognizing your research and development expenses. So these could be costs associated with developing new products or simply improving some of your existing ones. The next are um, strategies around how you pay yourself. There's different entity types that allow for the brand, the founder or the main operator, business owner to take a reasonable wage from the business, but then take other earnings through the business through things such as distributions. Those distributions help you save approximately 15% uh, in self-employment taxes. Another, yeah, it could be considerable when you're a high wage earner from your business and in setting up your own personal earnings in a way that provides some cost savings to the business. Hold on, tell Another, me how to do that. <laughs> yeah, I think working with one, you need the right entity selection, but then two, utilizing tools like Gusto and resources that are available to understand, working with your accountant to understand what is a reasonable salary uh, based on my size of business and the role that I actually deliver in the task I do day to day within the business are some of the key tips on how to get this established. Um, moving on, not just tax savings, but there's some non-tax ways to save money in your business. And there's simple things that often I'm surprised get ignored. Uh, negotiating with your suppliers. I think often people just assume what they've been paying needs to be what they have to pay next month. 
But within e-commerce, we're often going to the table with larger asks, ordering more products, working in higher volumes. So there's opportunity there to come back to the table and begin to negotiate with your suppliers. Uh, simply to working with some of the payment processors like Stripe and PayPal, going to them once you've eclipsed certain levels um, of sales running through their platforms and looking for more cost-effective terms with these suppliers. Uh, another, using cost-effective shipping options. I think people really are in that rush in the early stages and in trying to get product out to their customers, but over time tend to forget that this is a major expense area in, in their business. So looking for ways to be more cost-effective in doing that. Um, optimizing for conversion. I think what we often see is people throw up their Shopify page initially and they see traction and sales, and they don't look at those key metrics that help them understand um, what might be negatively impacting their conversions in their sales. So um, increasing sales is also a way not to save money, but to help generate more profit within your business. And lastly, like, consider raising your prices. Uh, we often work with sellers and it almost never becomes a topic of discussion or one that they fear. Um, every dollar you're able to raise your price is a dollar of profit if you're able to keep your cost basis uh, the same. So Really consider, you know, if you're unique or have a higher quality product that your customers are willing to pay more for, um, they're kind of expecting that as well. Now, I, I know most things I spend on, uh, I'm anticipating spending more on next month simply because of the factors, you know, in the current state of the economy. So be brave consider raising your prices. And there's some amazing calculators that I've seen floating out there as well that help you understand um, at what loss of sales does that increased price begin to impact me. You may see a bit of a drop in sales from those that are extremely price sensitive, but more often than not, if you're mindful and strategic in what that pricing increase is, you'll be better off in the end. You know, raising prices is good advice. I mean, I think people are so resistant to raise their own prices, and yet that seems like the easiest, fastest path to more revenue, right? That seems pretty sane to me. Um, all right, any advice for choosing the right accountant? Yeah, I, I think nowadays, as I've mentioned, there's specialists across each industry. So where I would begin first is really looking to those that are on top of the latest technologies, understanding of the key workflows that are necessary to operating within the e-com space. And there's tools like A2X that have um, directories of these e-commerce accounting specialists. And once you identify those specialists, then hold some initial meetings or interviews um, get a feel for what their mission, vision, and values are. Are they aligned with what your um, brand represents? More importantly, too, are they people you could get along with? I think the accounting space is interesting because it's very trust-based. It's open kimono, right? You're sharing with someone the 
all of the expenses, your ba- all of the balances you're holding across your Amex cards, your credit cards, all of the various lending options that you've used to help build your business, um, you're giving them a peek into the playbook that's become how you're operating your brand. So building a relationship and, and starting to establish trust across these initial conversations is quite critical. And then asking them, you know, for opportunities to perhaps chat with other customers they've worked with. Many brands are now also pretty savvy about sharing the social proof on their websites of brands that they've had some success stories and working with. Um, so try to reach out. You know, people are pretty, pretty giving. Um, I also recommend we, being involved in communities helps you uncover some of the better firms and accountants to work with as well. Uh, I know there's e-commerce, a few other big e-com focused uh, forums, the, Sh- the Shopify Facebook group, looking across those forums and just asking who are people using and who's worked out well in supporting their brand. You get the social proof, but you also can understand a bit more about how involved do I need to be as the seller. There's some sellers that prefer to be deep into the books and understanding many of the transactions that others that want the executive summary. What's the most important piece of financial advice you would give to a Shopify merchant listening? Prepare for the rainy day. I, I love the concepts of books like Profit First and very much in vogue now is Ramit Sethi's Netflix series. But a lot of that is just in the design of hold back some of that cash you have available and set it aside for things and areas of spend that are known. You know you will have to restock inventory. You know that you will have to pay for taxes. So the key piece of advice is once those sales come in, design a system that allows for some of that money to just instantly be removed from your bank account to a separate bank account that stands alone in the collection and the spend across those major areas that often catch people off guard and have them scrambling for other options for working capital that they tend to then have to pay much more for in the end. Yeah, separating those accounts out, as silly as it may seem, is huge. Like I I would get myself into trouble uh, the first few years of business in paying taxes um, because I didn't know to do that. And as soon as I did, all my my uh, my tax problems went away. Well, that plus you know good, reasonable bookkeeping, um, those two things helped quite a bit. But no, no, that um, it it's sane, sane good advice. So Wayne, where can I learn more about you? Absolutely. So I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I also. We'll share, we have a resource available, free toolkits that are available on our website. I address all of those incoming requests for folks and submissions within the beanninjas.com website as well. So you can find me there. I'm a lurker on Twitter as well. Uh, I'm not as vocal, uh, um, but I am I am a presence there and uh, am interested in connecting with folks on either Twitter or LinkedIn. Fabulous. I will include those links in the show notes as well. Let me make a note of that right now. Uh, thank you, Wayne, so much for joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate the your your expertise 
and insights and being able to uh, demystify a few of these things that I know from personal experience just create headaches and keep people up at night when it, it shouldn't have to be this hard. And when you have a, a clear picture of what's going on in your business, a lot of this anxiety will go away. And I think that that should be the takeaway. It's like invest in this, invest in understanding your numbers, invest in your bookkeeping and accounting, and you, as a result, your business will be healthier, but I think you will be healthier. You'll sleep easier at night, um, you know, knowing, having this, this clear picture of what's really going on. Wayne Richards, Bean Ninjas, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Kurt. Appreciate the time. Gracious to be here. The unofficial Shopify podcast is brought to you by Loop. Loop is a returns management platform that makes returns profitable and stress-free for you and your shoppers. Loop offers automated returns, exchanges, and store credit options to lower costs and increase revenue. Do you want to offer at-home pickup or boxless drop-offs? Need to lower return costs or increase repeat purchases? How about all of the above? That's what's possible with Loop. Loop delivers customized returns management solutions for Shopify merchants of all sizes, like Studs, Princess Polly, Code Epoxy, to turn returns into returning customers. Find out why thousands of Shopify merchants choose Loop to manage their returns at loopreturns.com. That's loopreturns.com.